The following podcast contains true stories of sex, kink, gender, or body image. Thanks for being a consenting adult, because here we go. All of my life, I've never fit, but I won't complain and I won't quit. I am enormous, get used to it. Everyone tells me I'm too much. Maybe it's just you're not enough for me Can't you see I'm the kind of woman I'm supposed to be Hi there, and welcome to the Body Storytelling Podcast. I'm sexual folklorist Dixie Delator, and this week we have a story from fetish model and pro BDSM worker Sybil Hawthorne. God, I love my community. It was really hard to admit what's going on in my life last week. I let you guys know finally, after months of going back and forth on whether I should talk about it, that my partner has decided to leave me and I'm facing a divorce. But the emails that I got, the support that I got, and people who are going through similar things, it made a huge difference. It's so hard to share your story sometime, especially when it's something this unexpected. But I got love letters. I got messages of support. And it felt really good. So if you were one of those people, I appreciate you. If you're just finding out this week because you're listening to episodes out of order, yeah, this could affect where I live. This could affect a lot of things. Everything in my life is up in the air right now, but I count myself very lucky because I have people like you who care, who ask me questions about what's happening and who tune in and listen to the podcast every week. I'm so grateful for you. Thanks for everything you do for me and for body. Want to feel the excitement of concerts and crushes again? Dipsy has some incredible new stories for you. Right now, I'm loving their new stories like Jam Session and Green Room and Encore. Because who doesn't fantasize about private moments with rock stars? Escape reality, be entertained, and put more stories in your ears. You can reset and reconnect on your terms with Dipsy. Dipsy is an audio app full of short, sexy stories designed to turn you on. Dipsy features believable characters and stories that transport you to a better place. And Dipsy releases new stories every week, so there's always more to explore, no matter what or who turns you on. Plus, they have wellness sessions and bedtime soundscapes to help you relax before you drift off to sleep. Best of all, Dipsy offers you unlimited access to their library of well over 400 short, sexy stories. I know you love stories because you're a listener of the Body Storytelling Podcast. They know it too. So right now, Dipsy is offering a 30-day free trial when you go to dipsystories.com slash D-I-X-I-E. That's a 30-day free trial when you go to D-I-P-S-E-A stories.com slash Dixie. Savor some new sexy stories and create some in-person pleasure. Head over to dipsystories.com right now and tell them I sent you. 
by using the promo code Dixie. If you're looking to celebrate individualism and sexuality without shame, I invite you to check out Field. It's a fun, easy way to explore. Field is the alternative dating app for couples and singles. Field has built a community for awesome, ethical, and honest people seeking to connect and explore their desires, and you can choose from a wide array, from cuddling and long kisses to BDSM, Shibari, and more. Field was originally designed for people seeking threesomes, and it's the biggest dating app for threesomes today. Plus, Field has two features that really make it stand out. Paired profiles. With paired profiles, you and your partner each maintain your own account on your own device, but link them together to show the Field community that you're a couple. And virtual core. Field cores are areas with high concentrations of members. But if you live in a place where the app is still growing, or you simply want to visit other cities and meet the local humans on Field without traveling, you can teleport to one of the Field cores. And here's some great news. You can download the Field app for free and support the Body Storytelling Podcast by using the link in this episode's show notes. So if you're ready to make your wildest dreams come true, download the Field app and try it for yourself. That's F-E-E-L-D. And be sure to let them know that I sent you by using the code Dixie50. Ready for a story. Well, let me tell you about this week's storyteller. Sybil Hawthorne is a retired fetish and BDSM model and pro BDSM worker. Sybil has worked with companies such as Kink.com, Hard Tide, Infernal Restraints, Shadow Players, Fetish Nation, Dungeon Core, Hustlers Taboo, and more. Their proudest modeling achievement was suspending from only their hair during a live stream for RealtimeBondage.com. Sybil has over 15 years of lifestyle BDSM experience, having held positions ranging from slave to dom, and now identifies as a top heavy switch. They are a devout hierophiliac, seeing the intersection of BDSM and spirituality as not only deliciously delightful, but also as a means to work through and heal trauma. This storyteller is Sybil Hawthorne. So a couple years ago, I found myself standing in the living room in a rented room, a rented house in Las Vegas. I had been booked to do a femdom shoot by the Venus Girls. And we had done three or four scenes of the day. I was doing my last one. So I'd all change into my lingerie. I was standing there with my co-star, this attractive guy that I was working with. And the director decided to tell us what the last shoot of the day was. So really quickly, he was like, okay. So this guy's going to play your husband. He's going to be tied up, naked, on the bed, wearing a full coverage mask that makes him look like a baby, and you're going to come in with a bottle full of semen and make him drink it. Go. (laughs) So (laughs) the thought that ran through my head, which is probably running through yours, was, what the fuck? (laughs) So... I had grown up in a very intellectual household. My mom went to school for most of my life. I helped her with her research projects. Um, I was the kind of kid where if I didn't know a word in the book I was reading, my mother told me, go look it up in the dictionary. There was no help there. So I learned to research things as a young child. I was the 
horrible kid probably that turned in papers in junior high on vampire mythology, the way that it changes throughout cultures and time. Later on in college, I had just a normal vanilla history of Rome class, but I turned in a paper on homosexuality in Rome and how it wasn't really gay if a citizen and a non-citizen had sex. So I've always been like this. Now, when I graduated from college, I uh, moved out to California. I had grown up in Podunk, Florida, which is not really my thing. So I got out of the conservative area and found the BDSM community and got very interested in that, very involved. And within a couple months, people were like, you should do this for a living. And I didn't know you could do it for a living. <laughs> so I decided to become a bondage and fetish model. And one of the first shoots I booked, I got on a plane, flew back to, surprise enough, Florida, to do a shoot. Now, when you do a fetish shoot and you get booked, you get an email, this is what the shoot is, this is what your wardrobe is, this is the money, this and that. But the actual details of the shoot, they don't really discuss. So I got, was there in my cute girdle dress. I was like, woohoo, I'm a fetish model. And the guy handed me two dozen balloons, said, it's a balloon fetish shoot, go. And I was like, what do you do with balloons? <laughs> So I wanted to appear professional, though, and I kind of pretty girled through it. I blew up the balloons, I popped them, I screamed. And, like, he was happy with the shoot, got my money, and I left. But I wasn't happy because I'm a perfectionist. So I went home, and I was like, I need to research this. And I went, and I found lunars, the people with balloon fetish. And I was like, why? Why do you like this? And they were like, well, sometimes we can't get latex clothing. It wasn't a thing before, but I have a latex fetish, and balloons are latex often. Some people had, like, an oral fixation where they liked the limp balloon get bigger in a pretty girl's mouth. And then I found out you have to be very particular with the popping. Some people come immediately when you pop it. Some, it's a boner kill. So <laughs> you have to make sure they know which one it is. So... I did another balloon shoot, felt really good about it. I already knew what I was doing and why. But I became really interested in unique fetishes. So it became my hobby to research them. I watched a documentary on objectum sexualis, or people who are sexually attracted to inanimate objects, like Erica Eiffel, who married the Eiffel Tower. And she talked about how she consummated her marriage in front of tourists when they didn't know. And... <laughs> You know, they got very in-depth about how, like, the Berlin Wall is polyamorous because several people have relationships with the Berlin Wall. So I, I found a documentary on mechophilia, which is the fetish for vehicles. There's a guy, Edward Smith, who had sex with over 100 different vehicles before settling down with his VW Beetle. And so the more unique fetish shoots I could take, the better. I... Found one of the more unique ones I had was a wool sweater fetish shoot. So I ended up in a hotel. They gave me a wool sweater, cute, wool like knee length skirt. It was very cute. Knee socks. And then the last piece kind of stopped me, which was a wool G string. <laughs> like, I didn't know those existed. But they did, and I had done enough research to kind of understand what I was doing there instead of just being stopped. Um, I started taking other shoots, kismolagnia, which is a fetish for being tickled. I'm incredibly ticklish. I figured it was 
better to get tickled and get paid for it than pay the lady to give me a pedicure while I'm laughing the whole time. <laughs> so <laughs> I took uh, potophilia shoots, foot fetish, and I came armed with the knowledge that a lot of people have foot fetishes because as you're a baby, you're crawling on the ground and the first image of a woman you see is your mother's foot. And that becomes the epitome of what a woman is to you. So you become a foot fetishist. I did urophilia shoots, which is a fetish for urination. I still sometimes get annoyed that I now pee for free. <laughs> because, like, through my shoots, I found myself getting paid $75 to pee myself at a Las Vegas bus stop. But I was intrigued to the why. I knew they liked me being humiliated or vulnerable or the... The, f the feel of the, the urine that was warm. So through this, I started realizing that I had some of my own fetishes as I researched this. I did a hierophilia shoot, which is the fetish for religious objects. So I did a shoot where I was one of two latex nuns, and we <laughs> took a girl who was dressed in a latex schoolgirl outfit, put her up on a pink Jesus cross, and then we had the jackhammer Jesus dildo. You may be aware of it. If not, it's crucified Jesus made into a dildo, really. We used the devil dildo. And I was like, oh, my God, I'm into some weird stuff, too. <laughs> and then I found out about dacrophilia, which is the fetish for crying, which I didn't know was a thing. I love crying, the endorphin rush, the vulnerability, letting someone have that power over you. And I was like, oh, this is a fetish. But the main fetish I realized that I was having and fulfilling through this whole career was epistemophilia, which is the intense desire to learn things. I needed to know why this was happening, what people were into, even though it wasn't my fetish. My fetish was knowing what your fetish was. And the weirder, the better. So as I was there in the place in Vegas talking about this shoot, after I said, what the fuck, I was like, okay, I can do this. So I broke it down. We have autonepiophilia, which is adult infantilism. It's about being vulnerable and safe and like a, cared for and just a little baby, having no responsibilities. Okay? It made sense now. Bondage, it adds to the vulnerability. Again, you, you have no responsibilities. You can't even move. And then cuckolding. I was like, okay, which is the, usually a husband who likes to watch his wife go have sex with a bull, or a better endowed man than him. And I realized it was the humiliation, having your power taken away from you, and that rush. So I went ahead and put all of this information together, and was like, okay, this isn't as weird as I thought. So I went in there, he said, okay, shoot. And I told my baby husband, who was tied up to the bed, <laughs> that it was time to drink his man milk. And I told him if he had any hope of being half the man that this guy had fucked was, he would take it and he would like it. And the art director was like, this is great! <laughs> and so I really felt accomplished knowing, okay, I got this. So I guess what I'm trying to say here is that I think it's empowering and fun to approach everything kind of as a research project. Like, your whole life is a research paper. Research everything. Being nerdy 
before was seen as a deficit, now it's kind of cool, but that's how I approach my whole life. It brought me to a bunch of different careers. And <clears throat> if my story or someone else's story can inspire you to do it that way, I think it would be great. So I'll close with, I'm going to paraphrase, because I don't know the quote exactly. There's a Baudelaire quote that says, I sought out to seek the why of it and to turn my pleasure into knowledge. So what I'm asking all of you today is to perhaps flip it and to seek out the why of things and to turn your knowledge into pleasure. Thank you. I had a lot of little orgasms on stage while that happened. I learned like 30 things. You dress me up in a nurse's outfit. It rides and sticks to my thighs and my hips. You put me in a teacher's little denim skirt. Ruler and desk so I can make it hurt. But I keep you on your best behavior Honey, I can be your savior Love you to the grave and father Honey, I am not your mother You press me in A nun's black outfit Hail Mary Pass Cause you know I'll grab it Hand me your badge And a little like I'm supposed to book you on a hit and run
strange girls and spectrum and bruises. God, I'm trying to save the world. It's like, girl, you're not Jesus. That song was Savior by St. Vincent. I want to say thank you to the people who are supporting me on Patreon. And if you're not a member yet, I'd love for you to join us there. Patreon is not only the way that I think these things through and ask questions of my trusted community. Should I find a new live stream producer? Should I go back to live shows even though the Delta variant is ramping up? What's next? And the behind the scenes of what's too personal to share on a podcast, I can share it with my trusted circle on Patreon. They're the people who are helping me figure out what's next for body. So go to patreon.com slash body, support me at whatever level you can, and thanks in advance for any support you can offer. I hope to see you on Patreon. I've been getting a lot of emails asking me what's going on with body storytelling's live streams or live shows, and I just wanted to update you. It's not a complete update. It's just to tell you that right now I'm looking at a few different possibilities. I don't know anything for sure, but I expect I'm going to have an announcement in the next two weeks or so. So please be patient with me while I try and figure everything out. But I will reward you for your patience soon. And thanks for asking. Well, that's our time for this week. But before I go, I want to say thank you to the team that makes this podcast possible. Thank you to Donald Mooney, to Mosa Maxwell-Smith, to Joe Moore, David Grossoff, to podcast producer Marty Garcia, and this week, thank you to Zoomkeeper Joseph. This has been episode 188 of the Body Storytelling Podcast. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.